Welcome to our little town Where friends are all you'll meet And you will never see a frown Hey, everyone! Hey there, Pete! We bet you're probably wondering what we call The most beautiful, wonderful, magical place of all First week back to school, so you knew it was going to happen. But welcome to What Are You Guys Talking About? A surprise kind of interim show um, because we've had a lot of things happen. So before we go too far, for those of you new listeners, because I know some people are picking this up for the first time, you know, we are a podcast from two indie filmmakers. We run a production company called Love Victoria Productions. Um, And if I haven't got back to you by email on that, it's just because I've been busy doing this. Um, but, uh, you know, we basically talk about the things we see on TV and film that we like, how that relates to our filmmaking, how that relates to what we're doing. Occasionally we'll bring guests on, um, to talk about how they work in filmmaking and what indie filmmaking or full-time filmmaking is like for them. And then finally we, we, we kind of go over, you know, the projects that we're doing when we've got something to show, but at the moment we're kind of in the middle of a lot of things. So as Steven Spielberg says, I have many projects in various states of development at the moment. That's what I've been trying <laughs> to say. At all times. At all times. That's, that's really the truth though um so brass tacks though to get it out of the way before we even get here we really do appreciate every time you like share subscribe or comment on um, the podcast it really helps us reach new people this is you know i find in the crazy world of podcasts because everyone has one it's not a matter necessarily of someone not wanting to listen to your podcast it's more that they haven't heard of it because there's six billion out there so if you could help us that little bit by giving this out to your friends that you think would appreciate it post it on your network to see if anybody picks it up it really does help with our numbers at the end of the day so if you want to check out more from us you can check out all the episodes this is episode 93 so there are 92 other episodes plus the dirty 20 videos plus our short films plus our trailers all on www.lovevictoriaproductions.com um it's a mega website. It's very old now. It looks dated to me, but it's there, man. And um, anybody can go on that and kind of see the full gamut of everything that LVP has been doing over the last couple of years. Um, I'm putting it out there now because it usually takes me about a year to get it done. But I have been talking with a web designer, someone who does that freelance, and she's going to have a look at the website at some point because we really kind of want to make it more on to par. But if that's not your thing, if you'd rather do social media, we are on Facebook with Jason Chereau. Uh, my last name's a bit weird, C-H-E-R-O-T. You've got Edward Burgos is the other member of LVP. And you can also check out our company page at Love Victoria Productions. So anything that we do is usually posted somewhere on that Facebook company page. Now, we also have Instagram accounts. Those are kind of my favorite ways to catch up with people because I don't have to read anything. I can just look at pity pictures. I am Jazzy J. Chereau. We have Enano LVP as well. Um, we also have Twitter accounts. So funny commentary, at Mouth Love Victoria or at Enano I'm sorry, at Ananoski Prod. And then finally, LinkedIn, you can find out from the company webpage, which has now 15 followers, I believe, than it did before. So we're moving up in the world of LinkedIn. <laughs> but that's just the company page. And it's, again, to keep a, a, a company presence um, 
you know, and it's kind of separated, I think, from from both of our day jobs, so to speak. Um, and then finally, we've recently got on TikTok with a few interesting posts on LVP Film Life. More to come there when I get more time to put up 15-second videos. But unfortunately, I'm not 15, 16, 17 and have that kind of time these days. So if only, right? If only. So with that in mind, today, we, we um, I have to kind of say there's a couple, couple announcements as well. Announcements! 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 Sorry, I used to love when people did that. Um... Listen, Mitch couldn't make it on the show this week. Um, he will be on the show as soon as he can. He had a uh, something he had to take care of. Um, so he called me saying, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. Understand with LVP, we're never, we don't really, if you've got an issue, you've got an issue and you've got to deal with it. That's not a problem for us. But he will be back. And when he comes back, we'll talk about Fright Fest. I don't really want to break that cherry too early because, again, Mitch has seen probably far more films than I did at Fright Fest. And we'll talk about what his favorites were and we'll kind of chime in with the ones that we saw. Um, we also, again, will have the uh, director of Warrior's Gate coming up in a couple months. And then Ashley McCarthy, who has written The Heralding, um, which we will be promoting for her um, in hopes of getting that on some bestseller lists because it's a very good book. We'll be talking on the podcast at some point to tell you about her book. And, and we're going to use that, I think, a little bit to talk about adaptation and how you can take books and turn them into films and things like that because that's kind of what I've been talking about with her in the background. So lots to come. It's just this week there was a lot of things that came up. So Ed has come back. Um, your Dirty 20 video is missing because Ed was sick earlier in the week. He gave it to me, and I have realized the mountain of work that Ed puts into every single video before he even sends it to me. I um, mean, unfortunately, it's going to take me till Friday to get it for you guys. So I am working on it. It's going to be a Magic the Gathering extravaganza. So you guys are going to love it. It's going to look ugly as hell because it's me making the video, not Ed. But in the same sense, I really hope you guys enjoy it because what it will hopefully do is give Ed a week off once a month so we can you know, tell you a little bit about Magic the Gathering and some of the new things coming out with that. But in typical diva fashion, I, I'm being precious about it. And I want my time to get it finished and get it to where I like it. But coming your way. So all that being said, today's topic, I, I said, Ed, what do you want to talk about? And um, Ed said... I just did want to say, sorry, apologies for my voice. I completely lost my voice a couple of days ago. And I'm just recovering. So, uh, yeah, you're going to get sexy Ed today. Yeah, after Ed. hours. I like the after hours. After man. hours Ed. That's right, right. Jazz. Yeah. Nice. Jazz Ed. Oh, all right, all right, all right. That was going in weird directions all of a sudden. Jazz is nice. We'll, we'll talk about that, I guess. But today, I mean, I almost wanted to title the show Apple TV because I want to mention about a hundred other Apple yeah. TV things and what I've been We're watching. We're on a kick. And there's another thing that, you know, I went to see Candyman, so we'll talk about that. But the, the crux of what we'll talk about at the end is kind of going through the six episodes of Schmigadoon and trying to talk about why we thought. I, I'm, to be fair, my whole modus operandi on this is to figure out where Ed's love of musicals <laughs> and kind of get some backstory on that. But the poor guy is not well, so we'll let him talk as long as he can. I do he, I do love my musicals. It's one do. of my absolute guilty You do, pleasures. and it's just one of those, like, you know, it's, it's, it's hidden talents, you know what I mean? I love finding that out about people. It's what I love about the film world and the media world is these kind of things that you find out about people um, because of our all kind of love for the arts. So first starting with, the, why don't we start with easy stuff though? We'll start with, what did you watch this weekend? What did you watch this week? Uh, well, um, I was babysitting for you on Friday, Saturday. Saturday, yeah. And um, you have that beautiful uh TV, <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm always a little bit disappointed that I have to watch my Apple TV stuff just on my laptop. Yeah, so okay. I thought I'd jump on there, and uh, I've been wanting to uh, 
start watching the morning show for a long time. Yeah. And uh, I finally started it, and boy, is it good. Yeah, it's it's it it is. It's funny because this is a pattern that comes up every time. But Ed will watch a show, and then and it usually takes it it takes a lot less longer than it's taken now. But it used to be like you tell me about the show and you say I've watched this show, Jason. You need to watch it, and it would be months wouldn't it? It'd be like, all right, I'll get around to it. And then maybe in January, after you told me in July, I'd be like, hey, finally watch that film. You'd be like, oh, that's great, man. Yeah, thanks for listening to me so well. <laughs> now, because it's happened so many times, I tend to do it quite quickly. So I'm also watching the morning show right now. I'm mm-hmm. up to episode five, I okay. believe. Okay. So, I mean, why do we, don't you... Do we, so, do can we I talk about I, it? Yeah, like we, we should, cool. definitely. Because I just, when I was leaving, I was like, Becky, if you want to watch something, it's actually a good one for us to watch separately because it's a bit slower. Yeah. And I was like, you should watch The Morning Show. Yeah, it's a good. It's just a good drama, right? I, I just, it has so many audiences, okay? Like, my wife is an audience for that because she likes her Grey's Anatomy. She mm. likes her longer dramas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is a huge element of drama to The Morning Show. Um, but there's also like, oh, man. I mean, what are the things that you love about it, Ed? Okay, um, so I was trying to describe it to my brother, and I said, "Look, it's 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 very much a Me Too show. It's it's analyzing that kind of uh, or a certain period in 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 time, and um, it it is very dramatic, and it has some elements of like prestige TV and and that kind of thing. But I think it's trying to tackle." A, a very difficult question in a very interesting and very kind of balanced way. Um, and, and I don't mean, that, I don't want this to sound like, you know, I condone any kind of misbehavior or anything like that, but it definitely presents a conversation rather than one, sh- one side yelling at the That's other. That's right. I mean, the reason I love this show it's because it's what Apple TV does with its shows. Like, listen, TV today, and this isn't TV as it was 30 years ago. This isn't even TV as it was in the 90s. TV today can be, it doesn't have to be, but can be a discussion piece. The same way film can. One of the reasons I love film is film is not necessarily story writing as as you believe. It can be discovery. Mm-hmm. And if you talk to some of the great directors, and I'm not one of them, but if you talk to some of the great directors, the ones that can get on there and literally make the film as they're going along, for them, that's what it is. It's an exploration of a topic. Mm. I see that. Now, I'm writing right now, so I can mm. see that really clearly right, because right. that is how you write. You're thinking how you phrase your topic in a right. way that makes it entertaining, right. but also something to discuss. I mean, that's why Apple TV remains firmly on the radar because I have yet to see a program where they haven't done this brilliantly. And as Ed points out... now. That's why I asked you, because when I watched up to season five, episode five of this, and probably have it finished by tomorrow, knowing my luck, but when I saw this with you, I realized immediately, though, that you are not someone, I think, that knows all about, like, the American morning talk show scene. And it really surprised me, because I was like, I, this is all stuff that, like, I guess if you grow up in America, like, it makes a lot of sense, because these are the people that, that will greet you in the mornings. And I know you have morning shows in the UK, but... It's mm. such a business in America. Mm. There's just something about it, you know, when you look at CNN and you look at Fox News and you look at, and this is actually commenting on all of that as well, yeah. which I found revelating, you know, and it's like Ed said, it's because the conversation is had from multiple viewpoints. Mm-hmm. I think the driver, the reason it works, Ed, I think is because the driver is the two main women that we know are in the show. Mm-hmm. So the two most, I think, 
avid opinions you get like the full view of mm. are both Jennifer Aniston's character mm-hmm. and Reese Witherspoon. So Alex was it Alex Levery? Alex Levy. Levy and and, and Jackson. Jackson. Um, one being you know your quintessential New York you know Regis and Kathy Lee. Mm. Been fifteen years in the industry, mm-hmm. and then you've got the upstart, and the whole thing is the interplay in the beginning about how this works. The reason I love it, and then Ed, Ed would have got this is why he recommended it to me, it shows you all aspects of that business as well. You're not just talking about what happens when the camera's on. Mm-hmm. You get to see the production angle. Right. You get to see how things are made. You get to see the writing team. Yeah, yeah. I love that stuff mm-hmm. because A, I'm not as familiar with it, mm-hmm. and B, I think it does a good job of, of sounding out how this plays out, mm-hmm. how a Me Too incident, because mm-hmm. obviously you're picking up that's probably one of the big cruxes. You know, it's, it's the first 10 seconds of the show, so I'm not ruining it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big crux of the show... I just jumped because there's huge lightning blasts outside <laughs> yeah. right now. I'm loving it. Feels, you know, we're in September and it feels like July back home it's in Cincinnati. Weird, yeah. Very strange. At any rate, it's a nuanced conversation mm-hmm. via lots of different characters. And it, the thing that I liked about it is what you have to remember is when you do these things, you have to let the conversation run. And so many, even I, am guilty of grandstanding. And what that means is instead of letting the story flow to its natural point in the conversation, you stop it so you can make a point. Mm. In other words, you don't let it flow. You say, no, 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 this is the point where I'm not going to have them go any further, and this is the statement they're going to make. Mm. I haven't seen that happen once. There are twists and turns all over the place because... The revelation of something. So the biggest one for me was when you got to, and, and this is a bit of a spoiler, so if you really want to come at this completely blind. <laughs> this is what we watched this week. <laughs> exactly. Please put your your you know your ear, ear thingies in now and, and jump ahead about a minute and a half. But when Alex Levery is forced, and she's really forced by episode five to look at what her previous partner did. Mm-hmm. And it's not a matter anymore of, you know, what the public sees and what the public mm-hmm. doesn't sees. It's like, no, 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 what do you see? Right. Did you know this was going on? Mm-hmm. And even if you didn't, didn't you play at that, you know, didn't you play dumb to this? Does your whole, yeah. you know, unit play dumb to this? Yeah. Not realizing it. Yeah. Because when you juxtapose the pain of the victim who speaks versus what she's trying to say about we never knew. Like these are the things I was telling you back when we were like talking about Weinstein, the people mm. that used to hang out with that guy. Mm. Listen, one of my arguments has always been about me too, is the fact that this is nothing new. Mm. And that's because I was in the industry briefly. Mm. My sister was in the industry for a long time. Like I know what people are like and I'm sorry, but as a lawyer, you get to know people way better than you ever wanted to your entire life. And listen, nobody is not culpable in the Me Too movement. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Mm. Who says they didn't know what? It was rampant mm. in Hollywood and everybody was lining up. And that doesn't excuse the behavior or or take away the nuances mm. of it. Mm. But I love how the film or how the show just laid it out there mm. and said, you know what? Like, we're not telling you what the right opinion is, but these mm. are all the opinions. Right, right. And this is how they interact with yeah. one another. It's really interesting because it's based on a book that was written about like the morning show and the morning show wars and stuff like that, right? Mm. Uh, but after kind of what happened, uh, because it had been greenlit before, like anyone who watches it will immediately start thinking about Matt Lauer and and you know Some the, the scandal that happened. Yeah, with yeah him. the big clean out. They were yeah. talking about it, the waves. You know, the second wave right. was really yeah, the wave exactly. for the news exactly. agencies. Yeah, and. Um, uh, you kind of come away thinking, well, they just basically did a retelling of that story. But like the writer said, no, 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 there were sex scandals beforehand. Like it was part, it was part of the story, is central to the story, of course. But this has been going on 
for a really, really long time, you know, and that was kind of uh, the irony of it. I also love a show set in, with it with regards to journalism or something like that. I loved Sports Night. Okay. I loved Newsroom. You know, I even really loved um, uh, Aaron Sorkin after he quit The West Wing. Um, he uh, did another show, which was all based around a sketch comedy show like Saturday Night Live. Okay. But it was like really deeply political and it, it was a really good show. Okay. Um, Matthew Perry was the star of it. Oh, right? right. And Bradley Whitford's in it. And they're both the like lead writers. It's it's a great show. You should, you should yeah. watch these, that. These are, you know, there's so many ones that come out that, that, that just don't find their, their audience. And all or it's very niche. You know, yeah, it's exactly. a very it's particular... Talented, but, you know, streaming I think helps with that. Yeah, yeah, because you, you just have a little bit more of an audience because they can reach you from anywhere yeah. with stuff like yeah. that. So I loved, uh, you know, I, I, I love a kind of journalistic movie or, or story. I think those are always uh, really fun, really entertaining. Well, I, that's the thing. And you combine that with, you know, it, it almost puts you off of it from watching it at first. And Apple TV does this a lot. A lot of times you'll see the names involved and you're like, wait a second, mm. those are movie actors. <laughs> yeah. And I felt What's that way on? about yeah. Jennifer yeah. Aniston, Reith was, you know, I knew Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman had done uh, a show together that everybody I haven't watched it but mm. you know it was a Pretty Little Lies or whatever it was it was a huge phenomenon people mm. loved it but Jennifer Addiston like she's one of those actresses that I just think is a lovely person but I never really know yeah. her great acting gigs she's like, never, Friends uh, was cool but yeah. what else what else has she really been in I read a great article about the morning show from The Guardian and this person said that they resented Friends for having kept what a wonderful actress I, Jennifer I, I, Aniston and, is and from that's, the world. And that's where I would completely agree. Like, like, you and, and you have that on three points. You know, you have that with Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and I would say Steve Carell, who's not yeah. as yeah, yeah, yeah. as big. Other big one in there, and you might know this guy's name. I only know the movies he's been in, but the guy yeah. from Creep in Creep Two, the Psycho, uh, uh, Billy Crudup. No, Billy Crudup, an amazing character. Uh-huh. We could talk ages oh, about right, him too, right, because because right. when Ed told me he was on the show, yeah. I mentioned I'm not a I I'm not. I'm always in mixed feelings with the guy, and this is because I, I am a bit of a gossip, and like <laughs> you loved like him. Gossip. He played Prefontaine, who's who's a, a, a famous runner, famous cross country runner that knew my dad, and I loved him in that, mm. and I loved him in Almost Famous. But yeah. then there was some role he had where Claire Danes was with her former husband, who mm. was the guy from Terminator Three. I want to say Nick, Nick, Nick's. Not Nick Stoltz, it might not be Nick Stoltz, but it's but definitely a C list celebrity. And then she gets onto a set with Billy Crudup, who just thinks Claire Danes is freaking amazing, which she is. And then all of a sudden, she's with Billy Crudup. And I'm always like, maybe it's because I've been that guy that was the C list celeb that got the A list girl taken from him. But it's like, ah, oh, that's mean. Don't do that, Billy. That's really mean. And it's none of my business. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's just gossip. He is. Probably my favorite character. Uh, I, I agree, 100%. And I knew, uh, yeah. like, once I watched a couple of the production things, because yeah. Ed's seen how I am as a producer. Now, I am so lucky and unlucky that I'm not this guy, because he's playing a producer with big bones and big mm. whatever. But we did have, at times, some very similar styles, especially to other people's criticisms. <laughs> and he's, that's the part that Ed, I was like, very, I was gonna, he's a. He's a great agent of chaos. Exactly. Story. Like, he understands, like, and that's production, guys. And, and some of the old producers fight with us new producers about that. But I want to create chaos on the stage. Why? Because that's what people want to watch. I know that sounds crazy, but spectacle, things that they haven't seen before, that is what gets people's attentions today. I can write something that's very thoughtful and whatever and, 
and, and, and has a demographic to it, but it's easier as a producer to push something into a more volatile category because you get a better response. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I love this guy because that's his that's his stick. He loves just creating chaos because he knows he's dealing with geniuses. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so the way his character... Actually, the last episode that I watched said was his first... Like when he does the duet with, um, with Alex oh. Avery... And you Such finally understand scene. like their relationship, yeah, and kind yeah, of, yeah. and I guess that's why Brilliant. this is a good show, and Brilliant. why I recommended it to my wife because, mm-hmm. although it has a very poignant in you know message about Me Too, it is a relationship show. It's not a comedy mm, per se. Right. Like there's not really that much to but, make you laugh and, out loud. And yet it has its funny moments. Oh, it has you know great I mean? like, the production yeah, yeah. moments. Some of yeah, my favorite yeah, yeah. when he's like, "Tell that guy to fuck off," you know, like yeah, yeah. there's just always so much going on. So the character you were talking about is that Mark Duplass? I was just about to say, I think it's Mark Duplass. Yeah, yeah who's he's... one of the Duplass brothers who originated the Mumblecore movement, you know? Really? He's a filmmaker. So so that producer, yeah. the guy who plays that yeah, producer. Yeah. He, he's, he's, a, he, he's a film director and he acted because... Have you seen Creep? I haven't. I haven't seen any of his bigger stuff. That I've is, only seen is, his like small he, he plays stuff. the the you know the villain in that. Mm-hmm. So to speak. He's he's a fabulous actor. He's a great comedian. He's an amazing writer. He's super inspirational. You need to get into him. I do. Yeah. I mean, this is this is two people telling this. So the first time I got into Mark Duplass, and I didn't know it was Mark there's, Duplass. There's the thunder, by the way, guys. Thunder, thunder, thunder strike. I've got the voice for it. <laughs> but um, actually, Alan, you know, my buddy Alan, mm. my guy from from Fright Fest. Alan was the fir- first person to put me on to Duplass and mm. just said, "Listen, I think you would gel with the kind mm. of stuff this guy makes. Yeah. You'd really enjoy it." And so I watched Creep, mm. and he just said, "I'm telling you, this is your film for the year. Mm. Like you love." These weird kind of odd and and creep if you haven't watched it because we're talking about everything on the show just to fill an hour to make sure we get enough time for everything. But creep if you haven't watched it is a really good horror movie. It's a simple premise about a guy who hires a filmmaker and we're talking like low budget filmmaker right. yeah, yeah. to take his handy cam and just film him for some scenes for his son because he's gonna die before his son gets born. And so it very much has like the initial. Yeah, this is the part I hope is dead by the time I drive home. So yeah. I've got to go. I've got to go back to. Uh... But uh, lean back, listeners, and uh, hear the dulcet tones of oh Jason Schroeder. Oh my God! Oh my as God! He yeah. Tells you about creep. Oh my God! Oh my God! Yeah. I'm like Phoebe. Like I, I, I want to keep it. It's hot. <laughs> Ed likes his dirty, sexy voice right now. <laughs> Uh, I think so part, of, part of the problem is neither of us have gotten to use the dirty sexy voice you know in any sort of real real way in a while uh, that's not just saying on each other you know Mark Duplass <laughs> uh, creep <laughs> yeah 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 no saying. he's great he's really really the ensemble cast Gugu Mbatha Raw who is um, you know she's in Loki she plays um, okay the judge uh, in, in Loki, she's blowing up. Ah, that's right. I thought I recognized her. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, this is the thing. Who is this not for? Again, first impressions. Am I going to watch the morning show? Who's this not for? The only thing I will say is like, there are about umpteen scenes of jazz renditions of like famous songs yeah. because I love that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T- and everybody walks in the bar loves that shit. But I yeah. know there yeah. are certain people that hate, hate that, that whole yeah, culture. Yeah, yeah. If that's your thing, if you hate New York and you hate this shit, do not pick up the show. This yeah. is New York. This is like cool cafe, like talking about what's hip. Like if that totally pisses you off, then the whole discussion about this will just piss you off. <coughs> so me. avoid, you know mm. what I mean? And I think that's the thing. Like, again, production, production, production. They released this entirely the wrong way. Like this was their premiere show. It was. It was their, their 
but but you can kind of see because it does feel a little bit like a, th- a bit of a throwback it reminds me a lot of the west wing of newsroom you know like i say these these kinds of prestige hbo kind of shows that win awards and win primetime emmys and stuff like that mm. and they're long and that's my one criticism about the show it is long it's long it's 10 episodes see again it's 10 episodes the and they're all gonna... over an hour long yeah yeah and that's why i'm only on five at the moment there like you here you go and and that's not to say there's then it's not great and and there's definitely a space for this kind of storytelling 100 percent. but it feels a little bit like i don't know almost like house of cards that was the end of that kind exactly of, like so you know. so i'm that's exactly where i'm at with it the problem i have is again billy crudup when he talks to his producers talking about like the new wave of what mm, people want mm. this is as ed's pointing out part of the old wave yeah, like it, this is a, a way yeah. this is a discussion piece now the reason i'm happy with it and ed's happy with it is it's a necessary old yeah. wave discussion piece. Yeah, yeah. like no one did me too and it should have been done this no. way like somebody yeah. there should be actually about 20 shows yeah. that are trying to this, deal with this, this should have been a show in the early 2000s yeah you know which like looked at this and i think another thing that i really like about it in terms of its writing and i know reese witherspoon and jennifer aniston were like producers so they've been driving this thing you know is just the different voices that that's and that's what i mean the, like, the bravery in those voices too because mm. the complaint i always have and listen it, it is because i was raised by women it's because i have a sister who was in the entertainment industry and like you know had all sorts of fun and games you know like there are and this isn't trying to defend predators but there are two sides three sides sometimes five yeah, sides yeah. to every story it's it's, it's complex it's There's a complex that great, uh, that great little monologue that Mia has at the bar. Yeah. Where she's defending, you know, the, the guy who's been accused. And, like, she says it's he's complex. It's complex, you know. And, and that's what I would say. Yeah. Like, the, the thing I did like about this, though, is that when the actual allegations are washed out and put mm. in front of you... It still makes sense, mm. and I, and sorry. At this point, we're just spoiling the whole. Yeah, we really sh- are. This shouldn't so be you, the Schmigadoon show. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about Schmigadoon in a minute. In but, a minute, yeah. But 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 what I loved about it was like it didn't make the allegations like you worry, right? Because this is why we're all so fearful. Why we are villages with our pitchforks and our torches. Mm. You are afraid to excuse the sin mm. because you think that will make it right. better, or right. you think that means that you don't understand what was right. done wrong. When there's a scene. Where the person sets out the allegation, which is followed by another episode where even further allegations are made about lots of things, and it doesn't change mm. anything really. It doesn't, where you think it will make you feel remorse mm. for this character mm. because you've seen the character mm. and there's been all these discussions. Mm-hmm. At least my impression was like, well, no, I, I definitely think he's getting what he deserves then. <laughs> it, the, there's, there's one, we, we've got to make this the Apple show because I want to talk about For Mankind as well. <laughs> So, okay, there's this one scene, which I think you've gotten to, where it's right at the beginning of the episode, he's playing tennis with Martin Short's I love it, I love it. That scene. Especially because I'm watching Martin Short in another show right now as well. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and he's in Schmigadoon as well, which connects everything. Who did he play in Schmigadoon, though? He played the little Irish leprechaun at the beginning that gave him Holy shit, you're right! I couldn't, they kept putting his name on the thing, I'm like, who is Martin Short in this? Uh, I thought he'd got like some way like, like face something. Like, <coughs> no, uh, uh, but there's that scene where they finish playing tennis and they're having a drink, and you 
at first you don't like I wondered wow is this Martin Short playing himself I mean like, she told me she was 20 that well like so the conversation transpires and, and you realise that this guy he's obviously a friend and he's been accused yes yeah, Steve and Martin are yeah. talking to one another about it, their, it their felt, mutual allegations correct me if I'm wrong but it felt a little bit like a Woody Allen uh, like um, uh, the French director uh, sorry Truffaut? Polanski 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 yeah uh, it felt like a kind of reflection of, of that, you know? I would say so. I think that's that what they were definitely like that particular scene is really good because it tells the male perspective. In a way, this is the problem. Like a male can't tell their perspective on this unless they're accused. Right. But 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 more than that, it's that there's nuance to it. Right. right? Sorry. But that's what I mean. The, yeah, the, the, yeah. the male perspectives, let's right. put the, the plural yeah. at the end of exactly. that because yeah. the nuance is what makes that such right. a defining scene. So it's in this scene, a there's a, a dialogue between... Steve Carell's character, and again, if you don't want to spoil it for you, then please, by all means, skip forward another three minutes until we get to talk about something you don't want to hear about. But in that particular scene, Steve Carell, who has had allegations of basically diddling the the PAs, that's that's the worst of, and it gets worse. Like it's the kind of thing that when it's first said, exactly right. as this plays out, like you're like, oh, it's not so bad, and you right. believe right. he says that, and he's exactly. like, I don't understand what the problem right. is. And then the more details you get about it, the more like, well... The more you start like questioning and yeah. It's, and, and, and I mean, uh, when, once you hear from the victims on it, then yeah, you yeah. like, you almost go over the other side because you're and, like, oh. And, and hold up because you're halfway through the series. Right. Because you're like, oh, but, 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 but this is the thing. That's yeah. why I love about a show is yeah. everybody's going yeah, through yeah, these yeah. motions together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then you have this scene where he's trying to point out to you that he thinks things are unfair. And you do feel, at least I feel, yeah, yeah. you feel a little bit unfair because they're definitely showing you just how heavy-handed the entire process is on him. You, you definitely get to see his perspective on it. And and I think that's, it's a, that's so a important, yeah, right? It's, it's really important. But then they're like, okay, but, 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 you know, this, the whole thing, they've got you on the ride for his perspective and they've got you kind of in his camp Almost, saying like, yeah. especially as a male, you're like, cause all males are and like again, this. again, brilliant bit of casting, right? Like Steve Carell, kind of embodies that like it's, America's we were talking band, about right? it with Foxcatcher and the big yeah, short that he's yeah. just able to do funny but not funny yeah, yeah because yeah, that's yeah. what he is yeah. he's a funny character but yeah. he's also pathetic tragic he's yeah. tra- tragic that yeah, is yeah. how you would describe him and again he's The tra- Office I mean, he's yeah. absolutely a tragic yeah, character because yeah. he doesn't the biggest thing that you notice by season by episode 5 at least is that he doesn't he still does not yeah, see yeah. He what the issue it. is yeah, here yeah. even though everyone around him is yeah. slowly starting to wake right. up and be like we, shit like this isn't Right. around the other people are coming around and and he's still in so in and that, this like, is the trench. moment where he's sticking his heels down mm. in a way that we almost agree with him because mm. martin short starts making comments about like again the polanski thing mm. the whole like well she was you know she told me she, she was 20, she was at, the 20 time, yeah. at the time and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the face steve carell keeps making yeah. and it it builds and it builds in about three or four conversation pieces until mm. finally martin short just stops and he mm. says why don't you tell me what you really think? Mm. And Steve has to because it's been walking down that line mm. and he's like, listen, like, I don't think what I did compares at all. And he uses waves. This is where I got the wave bit. He's like, there was that first wave against Weinstein, mm. which was all these these really horrible people. Mm. And then there's this second wave of guys like me that didn't really do anything wrong. Right. That, and again, that's his argument. And the yeah. beauty of that conversation is this is before you have the 180 on him. So mm. you are with him and yeah. you're like, you're yeah, like, Mark, you're kind of Martin like, Short yeah. is a, a pedophile and yeah. you're not. He's he like, sounds like, he, you know. He, he literally says, well, you're a predator and I'm not. Yeah. You know. And then it's like, and then it's like, oh, wow, oh. does that work? Like, oh. is it true? Isn't it? And then the worst part is now where I'm at, which, because that's like episode three, yeah. now episode five, I'm like, 
I think you are a predator right, mate. Right. Oh, dude. Exactly. Like, so that's why you got to watch the show, guys, because it, it, these are two men, and that's why we love it, because we're men, and because the Me Too movement is the scariest thing that's... And I'm not saying, like... Yeah, no, it, it it's Again, it's that conversation. My yeah. wife loves this. There was this thing I was watching, what was talking about, it says, am I intimidating to you, or are you intimidated by yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it's not fair to call me intimidating yeah, yeah, yeah. if it's just the other way around. Me uh, which, Too which, is... Yeah, by the way, the... the the uh, gay black uh, anchor on on oh, the morning show. He's, he's great. He's as well. hilarious though because he's like they're like don't say it, just don't quit, quit pointing it out. And I'm like, oh god, but you have to, right? You absolutely have to. He's he's brilliant. Oh, Mindy Carling as well. Such a great cast. Such no, a, they they clearly like oh, they clearly Apple great puts writing. bones together to make yeah, this yeah. happen. I think it's it, it's just you know as I'm always championing, which I think is the tragically underwatched. I think this is tragically underwatched. Uh, yeah, I th- I think and it's it's also I think it's prejudged and it's funny because I want to talk about this you know with all all of these shows. I think all of the whole Apple thing. I feel like in the same way that someone might look at a Marvel film, for example, and just judge it. Just because it's a Marvel film. Just I like, mean, you oh. are talking to me, and that, that's the thing. Before right. I was MCU nerd, this often happens with Jason, so if you ever <laughs> want me to love something, you just have to figure out how to get me to turn on it. But I hated Marvel. Mm. I thought, I love Marvel comic books, and so I hated the movies, because mm. I was like, well, this yeah. isn't this is right, the right, movie I remember. Ex- exactly, right? So I think, from my perspective, there was a little bit of prejudgment the, the the start that like you said earlier the a-list stars that are you know doing prestige tv and you're like mm, okay what's going on here i think there was just a lot of stuff that kind of put me against it but through watching mythic quest first of all and ted lasso second of all uh, and then starting on, on other little little bits and pieces yeah like i, I gotta say I will now watch. I wasn't particularly interested in the Jason Momoa, David Bautista C, uh, like post apocalyptic. But now I will watch it because and it's on Apple TV. Twenty sixth of September, mate. Foundation. Oh yeah, yeah the trailers. Oh, yes, yeah. I'm I'm still nervous about that man, because that's that's one of my favorite trilogy. Well, and, listen. I think. I mean, I don't know how much of a problem it is because I'm not there. But at times, I think Apple TV has a bit of a branding problem mm. because. They brand themselves with what everyone knows that they are already. And, and I don't mean this with any disrespect because this is my camp as well. But, you know, the, the Williamsburgs, the the, Brook, the New Brooklyns, the, the, you know, East Coast elitists, mm. they come, or, or West Coast mm. snob, like they mm. just embody that. Not in a deliberate way, but no, think about what is, comedies is like they a, do. Is it almost like a PBS thing? Like no, that, that's what I mean. That's, a, that's almost a different, that, it's almost a different set. That's okay. like the next group over. I love okay. Anchorman because okay. it kind of shows all the different parts of this, right? <laughs> yeah. But like PBS would be almost a, even a different sect of people okay. that are even more left. But right, right, right. here you're talking about what the right in my country talks right. about, like the elitist right, left. Right, right. Hollywood. Is and they pick, Hollywood, yeah, right? Hollywood yeah, is yeah. always grouped into this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they group celebrities into yeah, it. And it's like this yeah. culture that, that thinks they're more educated than everybody else. <laughs> Apple has that reputation, right? People who are in yeah, that group yeah. all have apples. You like know, that's, Steve Jobs as well, like that kind of... I got to talk about that. Yeah, I watched yeah. it this week. Oh yeah, the I film, wanna, the documentary, the film, and I'll talk about it because I've seen it a billion times, but I watched it again because mm. it just always has an impact on me. Um, <coughs> but that's what I mean with branding for Apple TV. Like they went hard on what they knew they had already, so they mm. did come up with the PBS stuff, the Ghost Rider, the Sesame Street, all that kid stuff mm. that was originally on public broadcasting system and either lost funding or wasn't able to be done. So Apple is picking it up, so the kids everywhere. The problem is the kids 
that watch um you know, sorry I'm, I'm thumping on things <laughs> the, the kids that watch sesame street are, are, are either you know elitist liberals or mm. poor liberals because they right. have to watch you know public, <laughs> public broadcast, broadcast because there's yeah. nothing else on right <laughs> and so that's what i mean like like it's just i would have maybe made a show that that hit the middle a bit more right i'm trying to see what kind of conservative programming that they have they need some yeah, especially like, uh, you know, that was a through line that I was like, so Bradley Jackson's supposed to be a conservative. I mean, I liked the whole, when she had the whole defining who Bradley Jackson is, she's very much like, I'm a conservative, but I'm not the kind that you think no, I am. No, she's, you know? she's meant to pick up people, people probably similar to me, like Midwesterner and, and middle of the, middle of America independence. Mm. Because that's the thing that people find out about me. They always think that because of the way I talk mm. and the way I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm so opinionated about everything that I am far, far left. Mm. And I'm, I'm really not. I'm more mm. in the middle. Yeah, like pretty centrist. Yeah. Yeah. Something I'm really conservative about just because of where I was raised. Do you mm. know what I mean? And yeah. I think they pulled that again. It brings in a small segment, but I think they could have gone bigger. It's, it's, yeah, I, I say I like that. pick up a movie like run, hide, fight and show that. And mm. yes, it'll piss off half your viewers and mm. they'll say, why are you showing this crap? But then we'll pick mm. up the crowd who likes those types of films. Mm. You know what I mean? This is Apple. They're huge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember watching the newsroom and, and, you know, the West Wing was always kind of very criticized for being very leftish and then kind of straying into the middle and stuff. Um, the newsroom really tried to kind of cement its central character as a, you know, conservative, uh, but a journalist, first of all. And Is I think Jeff that's, Daniels, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's so good at that it famous as well. speech, right? The one yeah, you've seen on right Facebook a million times yeah, 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 yeah. about America being number one and yeah, some of the yeah. worst things. Why, you know? why it isn't? Yeah. Um, and again, Aaron Sorkin's writing, right? Like yeah, it's, he's he's the master with that kind of stuff. You can't you can't doubt that. But um, yeah, I, I I kind of I I agree with you. There's an inherent leftiness. It, to a lot of this it's stuff just the imp- and there's there's a there's a there's there's a gap in the market right? yeah listen like because it goes out to everybody this isn't a producer looking for money this is a producer that's trying to the the, the current zet guys that i can feel and again it's just what i can feel so i can be wrong about this but this is why i'm a fucking producer like the zet guys is stories stories mm. from lots of different locations this is why folklore is becoming really popular because even the old stories mm. even stories from you know, the white cis male mm. still can be redone when we look at the history mm. of those stories and where did they come from and why is the cis white male doing this and where mm. does any of these stories, but in that conversation where we need more female stories, more black stories, yeah. more mixed race stories, more stories from it, you need more stories from the right. Mm. And that's the part that everyone misses. And it's, I don't, I'm not someone who's on the right, but in the same sense, I grew up with a community that is like 75% conservative. Like, you need I, to let yeah. them tell their story and as well. I, and I think that one of the reasons why we've we got to a certain situation, I think before the pandemic, is because people felt unheard. It's exactly the reason, in my view. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, the Midwest is one of those great forgotten places. Mm-hmm. West Virginia being part of that. You know what I mean? It's it's listen. I, I do firmly believe people are entitled to be equal and free. That is my belief. And I don't really believe that the far right doesn't believe that. I believe they want to control that a different way. I, the messaging as it goes across now obviously is horrible, but you have to give them a platform to say yeah. something positive about themselves. Yeah. 
because all that happens otherwise is what's happening now where we have knee-jerk reactions like what happened in texas mm. you know the funniest thing about that thing in texas mm. did you notice that in the morning show there's a piece on that mm. about people when she makes the comment about in another big spoiler so please if you haven't seen episode two turn this ahead five <laughs> minutes or if you don't want to she makes the comment about getting an abortion yeah. at 15 yeah and then the next day in mississippi mm -hmm. where they're trying to reenact a six weeks leg a six six weeks legislation law mm. Women walk out of school mm, for that. Mm. It interested me to no end that that didn't happen in mm, Texas. That mm. just happened. So life has now imitated art, yeah. except the protesters, which were all over Mississippi, mm. aren't there. Now, I'm not saying that's a failure of Texas William, Texas women. Mm. I'm just saying that's interesting. It's interesting to see that yeah. when it actually happened, yeah. we were so fatigued mm. from everything else going on in this world right mm. now that we couldn't even, you know, people couldn't rise up to that. Right. Whereas in the it's world a, when this was filmed, right. that world, was right? happening yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. So that's like, all I'm yeah, saying is, is is this a movie that's with the current set, guys? I'm not entirely sure. No, no. I think it's, I think it's a snapshot of a accumulation of uh, time that, is not the reality that we live in now. Now, I'm not saying that it's it's not similar or that we haven't necessarily taken steps back or, or Well, whatever. they're coming up for season two, so you'll have to see if right. that adapts right. for kind of the new world we live in. Again, it, from a storytelling perspective, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's very, very interesting. And yeah, season two is about to pop, so, you know, I'm excited for it. We'll have to see. Again, you know, my point was, again, Ted Lasso to me would have been the natural one to roll out first mm. for everyone because I think that has universal appeal. Yeah, I agree. Your only trick with that is, again, getting Midwesterners to, to think, care about something in England may be right. a bit of a stretch, but they had him, so it would be like, well, maybe if you make this guy out, you know, again, it puts a, 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 a you know, he's a Texan, not a Midwesterner, but someone of that ilk mm. kind of out there and about there mm. you know what I mean it may have brought more just the morning show bombs when it comes out no offense to Jennifer Aniston I mean yeah it, 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 it I got did, critical I, acclaim but it did not right. drive yeah, yeah. people it, to right. stream on Apple yeah. TV like it was supposed to yeah. and I largely think that's because of the content because it's not what people people you know Netflix as much as they throw shit on the wall to make it sticks they do find that <laughs> stuff that, that dynamite stick, yeah. that makes you yeah. oh I want to pick up Netflix because yeah. they have this shit yeah, yeah exactly now I don't know if I like I like we've always been saying I I kind of prefer the Apple way of doing it because what you're doing is you're laying a foundation of quality and I'm not saying that I'm your average viewer but I'm the kind of person who I've now noticed the pattern in the quality of the the shows and the films that they're putting out. So you come back to them and I'm coming back. I'm I, you know I got I got my uh, my Apple Plus my Apple TV subscription sorry uh, because I bought a laptop but. 100% I'm renewing it next year. You know? uh, yeah, I'm just, it's, I'm, I'm the two faces of Billie Eilish. If she needs to get on Netflix, then maybe I'll keep Netflix <laughs> as well. But Billie Eilish has her like original, this is where I come from mm -hmm. on, on iTunes, on, on Apple. And I think that's right. So the other good thing that Apple always says that I love is all their music stuff, mm -hmm. which I just think is brilliant. Um, but they have like her, this is how I became Billie Eilish, mm. you know, beauty. but then you can jump on Disney and I told you this, it's like, <laughs> wow, she's changed a lot, you know, and like <laughs> this happens, like people get mad yeah. and it's like, dude, like. Every pop singer goes through this. They I go through yeah, the phases, I, I don't you know. I don't think it's selling out or anything like that. No, just, they're human beings. It's, yeah, it's it's your. It's almost also why I think, for example, for rappers, it can be a bit hard to go from you know a really tough life and writing about that and rapping about that to 
having money and you know security and you know, all are that you, stuff. Are you defending Kanye at the moment? His, uh, his, <laughs> his recent recent. Yay! I guess his name is Yay yeah, yeah. now. Oh my god! Poor guy. Such a thing. Poor guy. I mean, he's you know this is the thing. People think it's very confusing. It's not. Like he comes from a really bad part of Southside where he had to struggle. He's a complete narcissist, and maybe this is why I have sympathy for him. He's bipolar as well. Like a bipolar narcissist. So, like, you know, as close to me as you could probably get, right? So, you know, I do love the shit he does because it's ridiculous. The whole, like, I'm going to rap and tell you how horrible it was being married to Kim Kardashian. You're like, mate, you were married to Kim Kardashian. That's, That's one point above most of us. You know what I mean? Like, so, I know it was probably tough at times, but, you know... I think that's just what happens, but you're right. It reminded me, the biggest thing I can think of that is when I finished last week, I was watching Final not Final Fantasy, Fast and the Furious uh-huh. 7. You know, there's that many Final Fantasies as well. And obviously Ludacris, who I think of Ludacris, but isn't that anymore. He goes by his normal name. Uh, Chris. Um, Chris, uh, Chris Bridges, is it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, Chris Luda Bridges, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's weird because he, he, he has given up that persona. Like, he doesn't want to be Ludacris anymore. Yeah, he yeah. wants to be taken slightly more seriously, yeah. at least. And so now he's like this tack. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Like, it's cool. It's just like, I see what you mean. Again, you know, the more, I think the world evolves, the world moves on. And I think that the morning show is a great snapshot of a period of time and, you know, something that, that the world was also going through and was, and, and it was forefront in a lot of people's minds, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, for, for anything else, at least to hear a, an intelligent and full discourse on the Me Too movement. That's the only thing that gets me, is, and that's because I'm the lawyer in the room. I am a kind of person that, that fully believes you have to examine all the angles first. You know, at the end, you still come to the same conclusions. It's not like this isn't me too so that you start feeling sorry for the Kevin Spaceys of the world. No, no. this is me too. So A, you understand how those things can happen from a male perspective mm. so that males can understand. And I think this is important. Yes, exactly. Males can understand that even though we have impulses, urges and everything else, there is a line and we've been crossing it for a long time. That's the part that's hard for us. I'm yeah. just being honest. Like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a complete pervert. Everyone knows that about me. I love girls. You know what I mean? But yeah. you have to understand the effect it has on another person. I was lucky. I had a sister and I had a mother who were very vocal about their relationships mm. and kind of what they went through. Mm. My sister especially. So, you know, that's where I learned. And that's probably why I'm so cautious around mm. women. But, you know, every guy needs to learn to be probably a little mm. bit more cautious. Why? Because you're dealing with another human being. And so our impulses are, it's okay, doesn't matter to us, is not how a woman feels about it. In fact, they feel quite different. Mm. And this show really gets to that. When you do that direct testimony, now I know it's still an actress playing someone who's a victim, but when you hear it, it hits you harder. It's mm. like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, again, that's why we would encourage all of you to not watch Schmigadoon, but watch The Morning Show. <laughs> We will get to Schmigadoon. We will, because we've been watching... What else have you been watching this week? So, the other thing that I've been watching, I was just watching it's before Jason came along, uh, was For All Mankind. Uh, For All Mankind is a sci-fi TV show set during the Cold War. Now, that sounds a bit weird, but it's really, really good. It's um, written by Ronald D. Moore, who was the exec on Battlestar Galactica. Oh, okay. Wow. He was also one of the head writers on DS9. Okay. So, he like, your dude. Like, cut his chops on TNG. Big, big space, everything. Big, uh, big sci-fi guy. Um, and uh, he's a phenomenal writer. I mean, Battlestar Galactica, 
for a while was the best written TV show on screen. That and that's a good one. We we yeah, could no. probably do a podcast all on that Easy. show. I, I it's the funny thing is it, just quick question. Mm. Quick question for a quick answer. Mm. Like, does it still hold up, do you think? I don't know. I need to I need to give it a rewatch. I yeah, I'm shaky on it because I mm. have the Blu-ray and yeah, obviously yeah, yeah, wanted yeah. to watch it on my big you on know, your screen, yeah. kick ass TV. And it, I mean, it was probably about six months ago, but it's mm. hard because it doesn't hold up. It's, it's still mm. the problem you have. Okay, so this is the longer answer. The Battlestar Galactica problem is it's an old show. Mm. TV's not even written that way anymore, mm. so it goes on longer than it almost needs to at mm. times. When mm. we're so used to just picking up our cues and moving now with a character, mm. they set a lot of like deep things in, yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. and going like that. I still think it's one of the greatest sci-fi shows Gosh. ever written, if not the greatest. I remember when it was airing, like it was just must see TV I guess the biggest thing is it comes back to the era and I think we're out of that era now if I'm honest with you back to the era when America was the great protector and so well, it, it, okay. it, it moves on that basis mm. that there is one superpower mm. in the world mm. and that it has to so everything they do as, as a nation mm. you know as a, as, a, as a nation so to speak I'm putting quotes because there's only so many of them left now mm. is all kind of that American mm. we're going to save the world mentality so this is where For All Mankind gets really interesting. Okay. So a little bit like Man in the High Castle. Right. right? Which sets a premise that what if... It's on Amazon, guys, if you want to watch that. Yeah. What if the Axis won the Second World War? And this is on Apple TV, by the way, right? Uh, yes, this is um, for, for, for All Mankind. Now, For All Mankind postulates the question, what if the Russians were the first on the moon? Okay. So it's everything is exactly the same up until uh, the moon landing of was it Apollo eleven, mm-hmm. and um, they get beat by like a week by the Russians. Dun, dun, dun. And this creates a more extended space race. Okay. To the point of like eventually getting a, a like a colony on Mars. Okay. Oh, sorry, on on the moon. Okay. Uh, but what's fascinating, so that that in an in and of itself, I think would be interesting. Mm. But then it goes out of its way to analyze some deeper themes, like it talks about the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, okay, and and its passing, right, okay. and and the impact that it had on American society. It uh, it also changes other things in history, right? Like for example, Ted Ted Kennedy. At one point, became president. Okay, so he right? he's not assassinated, right? You okay. know, and um, you have like just just little little changes yeah. that don't amount to like a radically different world, but just enough to make it really interesting. There's a whole episode called Nixon's Women, and it's about the uh, it's actually about the women who were trained for the original Mercury mission because they trained mm-hmm. women along with men sure. who passed, you know, all the tests and did all everything they had to, to, to be put into space, but they never, of course it didn't go through. Right. And it kind of analyzed this for like, again, an hour and 15 minute show. Okay. Brilliant. Really great prestige TV. It's got a little bit of, um, what was the name of the Sandra Bullock space movie? Gravity. Uh, gravity, thank you. It's got a little bit of that because there's a lot of space. Max Horton, he uh, still did the editing on Katie's film. We always <laughs> brag about that. <laughs> Don't uh, ask me how she got him to do it. but And it has a really, really good cast. Um, a lot of names that you wouldn't necessarily be like, 
oh, I know immediately who that is, but it has, so for Ed example... So knows all of them, yeah? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it has, for example, the guy who was the lead in Altered Carbon and okay. in um, Robocop. Um, and just really well made. Again, feels very prestige One criticism is too long. Uh, the episodes are over an hour each. Uh, and this, yeah, because this was part of, again, talking about Waves, this was all part of Apple's initial offering, yeah, right? Because so they, they've done they, season two already. I think yeah. this is how they've, they've um, you know, they've structured their stuff. Mm. It's interesting because it, it could suffer from, from what you're describing, it could suffer from two possible, I, I think they're similar concepts, but they're separately set out in, in screenwriting books of, of Double Mumbo Jumbo and The Black Vet. Mm-hmm. So they're both funny. So I'll, I'll try to tell you, they're both from Save the Cat. The okay. Double Mumbo Jumbo, he brings up Spider-Man, I think the first Spider-Man mm-hmm. for that. And he says, I have a hard time believing a film where a guy is turned into a radioactive spider and then across town, mm-hmm. the Green Goblin gets made into whatever. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Now, this is funny because this is a guy saying like, these films don't work and now there's like umpteen fucking superhero movies, which I was like, well, you, were, <laughs> you were clearly wrong about this. Uh, but his point is about putting too much into your story. In other words, uh, you, you you know, what was the joke we've had with some writing groups is that it's either zombies, aliens, or or something, or magicians. Like, those are the only three places you can actually go with any given story. And if you try to put zombies and aliens in isn't it... Isn't that you're... from uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I don't know. I'm like, pretty I sure. Think, like, I think that was one of the places yeah. mentioned. But if you listen to, like, Alien, script... zombies, or wizards. They talk about this yeah. in script notes yeah. as well on the podcast sometimes. It's a great podcast oh, if you're I a writer, to, to a screenwriter to be listening to. John, John August. Point being, though, is, like, again... When Ed was talking about changing different points in historical in, in history, those can be tricky. Mm. If you change too many points, then all of a sudden you, you're making things longer because you're, you're suspending too much disbelief. So it's whether or not they could rein it in enough that you weren't like, oh, this would never happen this way. I mean, what's interesting is that it's completely the opposite. Like, you completely believe... The, no, and that's the, the, that's why it changes would definitely happen. be worth a watch. Because yeah. I think modern TV and modern filmmaking is getting better at... A, a, it, ignoring the double mumbo jumbo problem and just saying we will create a scenario in which case enough of these things will trigger mm. so that people don't lose the belief because mm. the other problem is the black vet one and this one was save the cat again it's literally two pages later mm. and he's talking about a, a skit from snl which i, I did think was hilarious because mm-hmm. probably eddie murphy who played you know the black vet on this but he was like this skit got me every time mm. because it was about the new sweeps coming out like the new shows coming out on nbc mm. in the 70s and it was like he's black He's a veteran, you know, and it was a black vet that was also a veteran. Mm. And in the, in the Save the Cat, he's talking about this story Lefty that he was working on with one of his great writing partners. Mm. And he's like, it was the same problem. Lefty originally started about a story. The guy was left-handed, but then he was a left-handed boxer. Then he was a left-handed boxer that had been in the service. Then he was a left-handed boxer that always went to, you know, it just became one thing after another. Mm. And it's, it's, it's the problem with stuff like that is... You can historical fiction is some of the worst for this because if you do it too much, mm. then all of a sudden it can be a problem. So older shows won't do that because of those two concepts: black mm. vet, and because um, no one wants to see the black vet, and 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 um, and double mumbo jumbo because no one can believe Spider Man and, and the Green Goblin can be the. Now these days, and my point with this was these days writers have figured out a way to cover both of those problems, mm. and it's really interesting to see that. I look at things like you know Mythic Quest. Episode 5 is all about us saying you can't do that because mm. the audience has no idea where you're going. Mm. And every time episode 5 hits us the hardest. Yeah, and so yeah. it's almost as if as an audience now we are happy to be suspend yeah. our belief for yeah. the sake of something better. It's almost like it's the break, BBD. It's breaking a rule but 
it it's like enhancing things almost, you know? Yeah, I mean, the way episode five works so well on you is it takes the concepts of the show, so the things you like about Mythic Quest, the fact that there's tension, sexual tension, between Poppy and between Rob, you know, Rob's character, who is, um, what did I just, Ian. You know, mm. it's there. It's not on the page at all. It's not written, but it has to be there because that's what's going on between the two of them. There's this fight over power, which is always going to have undertones. And then they put you in a situation where they're like, forget it. We're just going to show you what would happen if they actually were, you know, linked to one another. Mm. And this is, you know, the the famous episode five. You know, what, what is the title of that one? Um, oh, Adam Stovall's going to be mad, man. It's death. Just, Dark, quiet death. Dark, there quiet death. There we go. go. Yeah. So that's why that works, because it takes a, a, a theme. It would be almost like doing it with the morning show and having a separate episode about mm. another you know, allegation or something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and running with it. Yeah. So it's interesting to me that you're getting away from the, the fears of double mumbo-jumbo and black venom, putting too much in, by making your audience feel rewarded, I mm. think, every time you get to these things. I think that brings us quite nicely, actually, into Schmigadoon. Okay. Because... Is there a little bit too mumbo, too much mumbo jumbo in in the show? And I love you because you follow my mind before <laughs> I even follow it. But yes, that, that is probably why I brought that up, and, and that was exactly our qualm oh, yeah. about the sixth episode. Actually, yeah. it started really from the third episode. Once you have the split, and they go off on their own, mm. there's these kind of middling episodes where they're thinking about other partners, and it breaks you from the crux of the story. Which is supposed to be their relationship together. And then I guess the problem I had it is is does that unlike what we were talking about, where those things are done to kind of expressly show just how those can be messed up, there's never a point where we come back, which happens in Mythic Quest and the other ones, where we come back and I feel like there is a catharsis between, you know, them not being together. Hmm. In other words, like, sorry, the simple way, the non writer way of saying it, because that was really obtuse. The non-writer way of saying it is, listen, they, they, the, the through line of the story is their relationship. And mm. I don't think we really learn anything about their relationship through the, through the show. Honestly. Like, that we don't yeah. actually learn about them. Mm. Yeah. I think that is a fair criticism. And I think that possibly, because I don't think they're renewed for a second season. Uh, before we go any further, let's just really quickly lay out like what it is <laughs> what is Schmigadoon with one of the greatest names that any TV show ever I think very clear homage to like Brigadoon uh, the musical and that's that's what it is right it's a it's an homage to the golden age of uh, Hollywood musicals right the 40s the 50s uh, that kind of time period sure and in it you have uh, a couple Played by Cecily Strong from Saturday Night Live and Michael Keegan Key from from Kim Peel, who have gone on a Ducky. couple's Ducky. Yes, they, yeah, oh, Ducky. that was so good. Ducky. <laughs> Ducky. Uh, who have gone on a couple's retreat to try and fix their relationship, and while out on a hike, they get lost, and they find themselves. In a place called Schmigadoon. Right. Uh, and immediately, like, just stylistically, you're going from, you know, a rainy... It's, it's very Wizard of Oz. It's yeah, very, exactly. like, dull, dreary place. Yeah. 
slightly modernized. So it's still sharp. Like yeah. Apple Apple TV will never release anything that's not like it doesn't look great. Yeah. <laughs> but but you're still like in normal tones. Like yeah. you're in normal kind of grayish colors. Right. And then, of course, you get to Schmigadoon, which is, like, the Technicolor Rainbow yeah. Land. Uh, and very much, like, sta- you know, stage-designed and colorful. And yes. Basically, they are stuck in a magical land of musicals until they find their true love. Is that... That's that's the premise. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that sets out pretty much the first episode, at least the yeah. first 20 minutes. And again, it is all in that setup that I've had, like, the complaint, as it would be, because... Mm-hmm. The first 10 minutes is trying to give you... Maybe it's even the first five minutes because these are short episodes. They are quite short, yeah. First five minutes is trying to give you the whole point of how they end up in Schmigadoon, mm-hmm. which it sounds a bit hurried anyway. It does, but, you know, then throughout the series they flash back to, you know, times in the real world and, you know, how they met, for example, and and stuff like that. But, yeah, it does It yeah, does feel that, like... that was kind of the thing. So there's yeah. always this... At the beginning of every episode, there's this backstory bit where yeah. they're going to be like... And it's funny because it changes times. It's always like six months before Spaghetti right. or six weeks and two hours before yeah, Spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. And it's all these relevant points of life. I would say that's where, for me... Because mm-hmm. we'll get in the part I liked. But that was the part that, that it was okay, but it didn't really work for me. Because... Yeah. They were trying to set these two up as a normal couple and talk to you about like normal problems. I got that because mm-hmm. I'm in, I've been in a relationship for what, 15 years now. So yeah, these are all the things you want to tell people because they think, well, they just, no one, no one really knows unless you've been there. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was going to go down that right way with a hint of comedy because mm-hmm. it's a short one, Yeah, but it kind of leaves most of that alone. I think unless they were trying to do it metaphorically through all these songs, which mm. maybe is possible it kind of leaves alone going into any real detail about why these two are either compatible or yeah. incompatible. Yeah. And I think, and it's funny because we're, we're starting on our negatives, <laughs> but I, I completely agree with you. And I think for me, it feels a little bit like a sketch that, that somebody really liked the idea of and they wanted to make it into a whole series yeah and i and i can buy that and i can and, say and, it, oh and what's funny of course is that cecily strong is from saturday night live this is backed by no yeah you know, yeah we, we, we talked about that and i yeah. really do think that must be how this came about because yeah. all the bad stuff i'm saying does that mean you shouldn't watch it like no oh no, absolutely not absolutely like not. Yeah. i wouldn't be doing a podcast on it if i think it was worth missing a, a it's only what six 30-minute episode, yeah. so it's three hours of your time. It really is not a lot. <laughs> you know, if you have any love for musicals or interesting <sighs> yes. set designs and stuff yeah. like that, then I would do this. And because... here's where we come to the reason why you must watch Schmigadoon. Yes, please. Like, must. 100%. And it's the sheer, unadulterated love for musicals of that era. I, I, you see, because he says it, because he has that sheer unadulterated love. Mine, maybe my love is adulterated. Because, like, <laughs> I love musicals because of my mother. My sure. mother took them yeah. to me when I was a child. Yeah. I was never comfortable enough with my sexuality back then to say I loved musicals because <laughs> it was a, you know, it was a thing that was wrongly kind of placed with, with, um, you know, being the, the gander of homosexual men, mm-hmm. and I wasn't comfortable with my sexuality. And so that's why I've been on the fence for it a long time. Now, mm. since becoming a filmmaker, mm. and really since become, you know, becoming whatever, like, I firmly love musicals. And I, I think, really, the nut that cracks for me is you get a daughter, and that's the coolest thing, because <laughs> yeah. then all of a sudden, you don't have to pretend like you don't like musicals anymore. Yeah. That being said, okay, if you don't like musicals, wow, do you need to avoid <laughs> this? Yeah. You need to really 
really avoid this because it won't just make you mad. It will make like <laughs> you'll throw things at your TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'll it'll produce like a visceral. And this got to the point with my wife, who is a musical fan, but not like a fan fan. You know, like it's out, out, and out, out, out. Like yeah. she's not a fan fan fan. Yeah. She will go to musicals. She's seen many good ones. She's also seen ones she's hated. This one, like by the second episode, she was just like, "Why?" they continuously break into songs like i think that's pretty obvious why they do that point though yeah yeah, exactly and And we were were doing all right at first because she even had a character it was key's character Mm. was obviously the one that's like why the fuck are you all singing all the time which is brilliant that that that's a great shtick coin pudding mate coin pudding oh still to this day one of my favorite songs and that's 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 you know again it's because we're revisiting ed that's why all the criticisms are coming up but that was my Mm. other criticism Mm. is 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 it makes us you know I'm from where that comes from. We, we're not idiots like that. It makes us all out to be some puritanical but, bunch of fucking idiots. And I'm like, you know what? Corn pudding is probably really fucking good. And you all people making fun of it through your satire. But it's got nothing. I, I, I honestly feel that it's not trying to make fun of people who like musicals. No, or, it's, it's making fun of like the people in those musicals. I, I think it's, I think it's, it's, like it's, not it's making collectively fun of, laughing about the right. silly wackiness that is in a lot of these musicals. Right, it's not actually just, making fun yeah. of Oklahoma, it's making no, no, no. fun of the musical Oklahoma. Yeah, and the situation of, oh, that, 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 that are in there, you know? I mean, it it, it is... Because um, I, I have a weird taste in musicals as well. I tend... I, I like I like comedy musicals, Okay. You know? um, so here we go, here we go for the podcast. Top three musicals. It's got to be top five. I can't do top three. Wow. Top three okay. Fuck. I'll have to try to remember five musicals. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. Uh, okay. Let's start with the easy ones. Uh, now, most of these I saw as films. And I should state that when I say Wake musical, up, by the way. This is the relevant part of the podcast. We're about to give our five top musicals. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I never really went to a lot of musical theater. Okay. All right. Uh, I consumed it through films. Okay. Right. Obviously, first as a kid with like Disney, which are basically musicals, a yeah, lot of them. Yeah, right? yeah, sure. <coughs> but um, Fiddler on the Roof, Ooh. like I tradition. I yeah, I wake up in the morning and I start like singing. <laughs> you know, if I were a rich man, randomly ask my coworkers. Oh, this is such a good question. So your top is Fiddler on the Roof. I love no, it. No, I, this is in no particular order. Okay, all right, but still, you put it in your top, top five, five. Fiddler on the Roof. I Hands love down. it. I love it. Hands down. Okay. You're not Jewish, are you? Uh, no, but it it made me fall in love with like music. You wanted to be Jewish after I, that. You were you had your yarmulke. I wanted on. to eat like you know. You want some 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 delicious bread in knots and knotted bread, all kinds of stuff. But, so he likes um, it. Okay, all right. Yeah, the songs in that, and uh, you know, I think it's just one of the it's one of the best things I've ever seen. It's classic. It's classic. I'm not sure if it's playing in London at the moment, but the next one is a little bit of a cheat. Because it's it's soul and rhythm and blues music rather than like your traditional Rodgers and Hammerstein. Yeah, I don't. You're gonna get you're gonna get a face for me on that. That's that's how we've evolved but, musicals. But, yes, but as a kid, the Blues Brothers was, and I okay, think, it, and I okay. think it qualifies as well because it's all, it was also a Saturday Night Live skit. I think it connects to Schmigadoon. It's in tough a now. Now is the Blues way. Brothers that has? Does that have them break into song while they're doing? Yes, things? absolutely. I in can't church, remember. 
He, um, they, they, uh, where James Brown like starts singing. Because I, I had this discussion with my wife. It was, mm. is it a musical or is it a film? You know that, that has like, is it Purple Rain? Right. Because Purple Rain is not a musical. Yeah. Okay, it's not a musical. Uh, that that's that's a that's a that's an argument that I'm not I'm I'm not an expert on. Okay. I will just say that Blues Brothers will take it. Then. Blues Brothers has to be on any list of music. Okay. Uh, Orange Whip, Orange Whip, Orange Whip, Three Orange Whips. <laughs> <laughs> John Candy. In one of the finest cameo roles ever in the history of mankind. Uh, so, Blues Brothers. Maybe okay. a little bit of a cheat. Okay. Fine. A little okay. bit, but we'll take it. Then I have a very uh, little-known comedy okay. called uh, Something Funny Happened on the Way to the Forum. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, not a lot of people know it, but it is hilarious. And also a musical, right? And 100% a musical. Okay. Yes. Uh, if you honestly YouTube some of the songs, you, they'll be stuck in your head. Something happened on the way to the forum. Yeah, something forum. funny happened on the way to something the forum. Something funny happened yeah, on the way to like the forum. Yeah, it's like, right, it's from the 60s. It's got uh, Zero Mostel in it. It's Ooh, hilarious. Okay. Uh, then I would... Deep Waters with this boy. Deep Waters. <laughs> Another Zero Mostel uh, uh, classic, The Producers. Okay. Um, again, I, I lean a lot into into comedy and and, and stuff like that. Sure. Um, but yes, for me, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Okay. And then my number five, and this is what I mean when I have weird tastes in musicals. Okay. Yes. Yes. I you love. Do. I love uh, singing in the rain. I love an American in Paris. Okay. You know. The Wizard of Oz, like I, I love those classics, right? They're, okay, they're unbeatable. Gene Kelly is one of the greatest entertainers of all time. Um, but <laughs> a Clint Eastwood Western musical <laughs> called <laughs> uh, God, I can't even remember it. Uh, I had to search it because it's Paint Your Wagon. That's it. So if I want to watch a Western, this is a film. This is a film, film musical. Film with that, Lee Marvin. That's the other thing that's interesting to me is yeah. most of what you've listed are films. And mm. that's, that's, that just shows, I mean, that's, that's yeah, background. That, Ed, that's, Ed that's, always knows the old films yeah. where I for, don't. For, for me, a musical is a musical film. And I'm sorry, I should have. I should have not at all. Not at all. It's, it's again, why we have the podcast, why we have these discussions, because it all comes from like where our backgrounds are, how we pick this stuff up. That's, mm. that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it has a song by Lee Marvin who was a very famous actor, but he was kind of at the end of his career. And uh, he was convinced to do the film because he said, look, I, he called the director and was like, look, I, I don't have a voice. Like he spoke like I do now all the time. <laughs> yeah. And they wrote a song for him for his tone. Hey, you're wagging, <laughs> hey, you're good. And it is beautiful. Like genuinely, it's a bit more spoken word than it is like to say, like you know, beautiful. Problem with the face that he's making is I have like William Shatner in my mind. It's, no, no, it, genuinely. And it, it was, I loved William Shatner with like, the spoken word. It was like number two in the charts in the sixties. Okay, like really, really cool. All right, all right, your turn. Oh Jesus! You can uh, give I me did, just top three. I, I didn't know it. We can do five. I've seen tons of musicals, so yeah, I can try to lump five together. I would say, in no particular order, mm. Starlight Express. Mm-hmm. 
um, that was one of the first musicals I remember that I enjoyed because mm. I used to get dragged to them from the age of like four onward. Like I, everyone knows, I'm a second generation rich kid. My mother wanted me cultured. She's from Brooklyn, so mm. she figured I needed some culture. So, so this I, is this is like in a theater. Yeah, yeah, no, everything I'll be listening. Aside from cast? aside from one, yeah, no, everything I saw would always been with. I I went to see productions. So Broadway when stuff. when Broadway traveled, my mom yeah, used yeah. to catch that because Cincinnati. I was just talking about this with somebody else. It's such a great town. Mm. We had first we had the Taft and then there was the Arnoff Center. Mm. And so, you know, I had tickets to all that with my mother. We used mm. to go, there used to be, my mom still goes. There's like five or six shows a year. Nice. And so she would buy the season tickets. We would go. Um, uh, and back when I was a real little kid, like my whole family would go. My sister would go. My, my father would go as well. So I saw Starlight Express that way. How, which, old, how old were you? In that school? was, I was probably six, five to wow. six. And, and I loved it infinitely more than I loved Cats because I had seen that, I think, right before, in which Cats was obviously huge when we went to see it but i cats is a, a, a now i like it better it's still not one of my favorite musicals if i'm mm-hmm. honest i love memory because my sister can play that on piano but mm-hmm. other than that it's still not one that i think is amazing mm-hmm. excuse me amazing starlight express it was simple but done well it was in the 90s and so they had lots of these laser things going on with the sets and it it just kind of showed me what you could do they all come out on rollerblades because they're supposed to be trains and like it just was cool. I had never seen a set performance that adapted so well to like modern technology. And so for me, it was fast. It was futuristic. You know, the nineties, mm. and you know, it was really cool. And it just got my attention. So that was probably like first love of musicals. Mm. Um, second would have to be Phantom of the Opera easily. Mm. Why? Because that's it, it. That just has legacy. Like mm. my mom took me into Phantom for the first time when I was seven. I still remember taking my wife to Phantom at Elizabeth Theater, where mm. the, you know that's where the chandeliers at the top. Mm. It's probably one of the best places. I think to see I it. went to see that with my mom. But you can regularly hear me all around my house, like singing yeah. songs from Phantom, because yeah. my mother used to do that, and so I've picked it up from her, and I like to sing. Yeah, my wife always laughs because I goes the Phantom, and she's like, "You never remember the words." I'm like, "I'm terrible. I never remember words." So, but you know, angel of uh, I used to change it, that to it's Angel a good, of Boozik and sing to my dog, who's named Boo. So, so Phantom, it's good, because it's, it's iconic, a, it's great, and, it's, and it is Andrew Lloyd Webber's best. I'm mm. sorry, he's had a lot of different things. He's got a new one out. Mm. His best stuff was Sarah Brightman on the original cast when he was still married to the woman. Like That was their piece. That was his overture. Mm. That being said, next one on the list is the film version of Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, interesting. Amazing okay. 70s rock, guys. Mm. Like If you don't appreciate that, that's when rock was at its best. Mm. Okay, And I'm not one of those people who thinks rock is dead, but yeah, rock yeah, is yeah. definitely taking a backseat to everything else mm. now. And so if you want to see like when rock was what everybody wanted, mm. you have to watch. I mean, this was originally going to be John Lennon and Yoko Ono oh, really? as, as Jesus and Mary. Really? And so they picked these other two and they ended up doing it. But originally they'd been, they'd been <coughs> sourced for it. And I think John ends up dying is why they can't get it cast through. But I'm telling you, from the opening moment when this bus comes in, and the reason you need to see the film versus the, the theater versus, I actually think you get more out of the film. Mm. Because they have this scene where like the bus comes in. And before they even really start the show proper, they show them setting up the set and setting up the scene. And it's all these musicians, artists, cool people like basically showing you why they're going to make Jesus Christ Superstar Mm. and it just that had a huge impact on me like that was probably one of those first my mom bought it for me on VHS and I must have watched that like 150 times so what was that was that three or four that was three okay so yeah Starlight Express Phantom Jesus Christ Superstar those are all fucking Android Lloyd Webber so (laughs) you know I'm going to get off Webber for a minute where is some non-Android Hamilton 
Hamilton would, would easily fall into four. I've never seen Hamilton in the theater. I've mm. only seen the Disney presentation of it. But yeah. the evolution, because one of my favorite recent musicals was in the Heights. Mm. And like this, what Hamilton did was evolve musicals. One of my, you know, this is part of the reason Schmigadoon wasn't always my favorite because Schmigadoon is very classical. It goes back yeah. to like all the old tropes it's, of musicals. It's very much like the. Yeah, Oklahoma, where the yeah, wind and, comes. Yeah, and part of the problem with it, you can see that in Watchmen when they do a black cast for Oklahoma mm. and it still feels slightly ridiculous. <laughs> and so what Hamilton did was say, like, let's incorporate other cultures and other sounds and mm. other ideas into our making of a I musical. I mean, a modern, a modern day musical. Yeah, a modern musical. To, yeah. So that's, that's why it takes number four. And, oh, man, only one left now. Oh, man, I'm trying to think of the best ones that I've seen. He's waiting. He's waiting. I mean, that you've you've always spoken very highly about the Lion King. Thank you. That's easy. Yep, yep. If we're gonna do a top five, Lion King has to make that because in the Lion King for me, I've seen it four times in London now. Mm-hmm. Um, twice with friends, once with my wife, and I can't remember the fourth time now. But yeah, four to, maybe. No, I never took mom. Took mom to Matilda, which was we get an honorable mm. mention. Yeah, very yeah. honorable mention on that. And School of Rock would also get an honorable mention. Oh, that's those such are, a good one. Those yeah. are ones I've seen recently. Yeah. And Hairspray was the other one that I didn't yeah. see. My daughter performed in Hairspray, so yeah. saw that. Those are three that like those are ones that are in London right now. Go check them out. They're awesome. But no, Lion King, listen, the blocking and the stage design is insane. Mm, yeah. Like, it's the best you'll the ever see. and stuff. Exactly, incredible. exactly. Yeah. So War Horse, I saw, mm-hmm. well, not a musical, but had a similar puppetry going yeah, on with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. you add the music in, and the fact that it was very clear they wanted to, to, to hit the, the West African roots of this mm. and say, like, no, we have to talk it about... It feels very ethereal. Yes, which is beautiful. and so that easily makes number five because I would go back and see that tomorrow. You know what I mean? So that's it, and that's that's why I have love of music because that's five. It's difficult. I'm like, wow, I have so many others. I just mm. listed three others that I'm like, well, could easily make a list. <laughs> I mean, there's so many I haven't seen that I want to. Mm. Um, funnily enough, the ones I don't like as much are the ones you were watching in Schmigadoon. Like, I'm not as big right, on the Roger Hammersteins yeah, yeah, yeah. or the old. Um, what's the other ones? The old. Um, like the, the Mikado and the, oh Gilbert and Sullivan yeah those are yeah. the other ones I'm not a big fan yeah, I, they made I, me I, I, I don't I like Gilbert mean. and Sullivan because it always makes me think of Sideshow Bob like I'm sorry but I saw too many episodes of The Simpsons where he's singing a Gilbert it's and also, Sullivan it's also kind of very of its time you know Victorian England uh, which is, you know, it's fine. It's, 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 it is what it is, but <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I, I feel you. I, I, you know, the ones that I, again, film wise that I struggle with a little bit more is stuff like, um, Moulin Rouge, you know? Ooh, that's a good topic of conversation. Why did you struggle with Moulin Rouge? Um, I, I think. Cause that's still a musical. Yeah, again, if we got into the Purple yeah. Rain argument, Purple Rain is not a musical mm-hmm. because it doesn't have like, mm-hmm. they're, they're not dancing mm-hmm. to that music. Mm-hmm. They're playing on stage. Yeah. I think I just... I think the modern day musical often tries to do... Like, it has to, right? Like, it it, it can't just be people with great voices. Or at least I think that's what people think. You know? Um... Uh, I see what you mean. And, and the singing in Moulin Rouge is not actually phenomenal. It's yeah, quite bad. Yeah, exactly. Like, and... and like I get the love story and, and stuff. Entertain like. us. Yeah, uh, 
but yeah, I mean, Chicago is kind of one exception of a, of a slightly more modern one that I really enjoyed. I never watched Chicago. I'm not a big Catherine Zeta-Jones fan. Not because <sighs> there's anything wrong with her, but because I'm not, I'm not a big fan. I'm still in love with her. Um, you can fight Douglas for her. You know? <laughs> Douglas Douglas. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I think it just has a little bit more of a kind of musical vibe to it. I think it's the setting. I think it's because it's set in the nineteen twenties, okay. and it's got that kind of jazz theme to it. Going, you know, going through and stuff. Okay. I think I appreciate that more. Chicago. Uh, yeah, I did love Sing Street. I don't know if you ever saw Sing yeah. Street. Is that another Baz Luhrmann or something? Or? No, that's it's an Irish film. Um, really, if you like Chicago, film. you should check out Cabaret. I always find the two of those. L- so L- Liza Minnelli, right? It was. Yeah. It's, it's been done by a bunch of really good people, but mm. Cabaret is, is. Yeah, it's one of those that I I wish I'd seen, but I I just haven't. It's also set during World War Two, which is, yeah, that's just cool, you know. Um, but. Uh, yeah, the 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 more I'm excited to watch in the Heights. You've spoken very very highly about it, and uh, but yeah, like I, I struggle a little bit more with modern musicals. I don't know why. Okay, no, lots of people do. I I think you know I've discussed that with my wife before, who she liked Hamilton, but in the same sense, Hamilton was long, and it was harder to get into the music because it was longer. You know, the other funny thing with Hamilton that I find a lot of people struggle with that Americans don't always appreciate is that, man, that thing was so full of history. Like, if you didn't know... It's dense. Well, it's it's kind of the funny thing. You take it for granted when, you know... It's because our history is shorter and it's plowed into our brains every year for, what, 12 years, right? So, not every year, but... You know, you'll know no, US, there's, there's just U.S. More, history, yeah. especially the founding fathers, but it's, it's yeah, easy yeah, to drilled. understand once it's taught to yeah. you a couple of times. Whereas here, like, that's the funny thing Americans always say about English people is you don't know your history. They do, okay? People people in England know their history, just not always as well because it's longer. There's a lot of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so everybody knows about Henry VIII, but then, yeah. you you know, you have to be like, you know, call on people to remember his wives. And you're yeah, like, oh, well, I think, you know, but... Yeah. but Divorce, died, beheaded, divorced. <laughs> My wife can do that so fast. It's really kind of scary. But that's what I mean. And so, yeah, I do get you. Modern musicals are definitely pushing new boundaries. And the Boz Lorman ones, like, you know, is again, like whether you take Romeo and Juliet to be a good rendition of Shakespeare or not, I, I definitely got more people I reading that it. story. So <laughs> I really like I really it. can't um, see where, where, where you... We, but Moulin Rouge, yeah, I can totally see what you're saying because the songs are not songy. They're not... Yeah. They're more kind of fast, but you know, weird, yeah. for me back when that came out, man, what that did that you don't understand is I was in college when that came out. I hope my wife's not listening, but <laughs> you know, that took like that pure girl that loved the musical. Cause the problem you always had with girls who like musical is they were a lot sweeter than I ever was. You know what I mean? They're like the good girl. And, and just so people know, I've never in my life really had a, you know, a good shot with the good girl. It's just not my... Speaking of uh, the morning show and, <laughs> and the topics that it covers... <laughs> You're an asshole. You know that? You're such an asshole. No, I just... Anybody who knows me knows the good girl would not be the one that wanted to hang out with me. That's just not my style. But that was, like, the hit. Um, right. So, all of a sudden, like, you'd be going to showings of this, and the good girl would show up and be like, I love this music. And you'd be like, oh, my God. Like, you're a good girl, and you like this stuff. <laughs> They're talking about sex, and you're not flinching. So, you know, as 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 Ed tries to rope the Me Too movement into this discussion, which had nothing to do with that. Well, I, I, there's no need to rope anyone, to be quite honest. <laughs> They're there. They're there weighing in the weeds. Um, oh dear oh dear the subtleness of what you're trying to say Ed 
wrapping things up because we've gone like over an hour and a quarter. Very good. So Schmigadoon, we talked about it for like 20 minutes. That was mm-hmm. enough. We had a 10 minutes. And we talked about musicals a lot more because we love musicals. And I knew that's why he recommended it. I really just yeah. didn't want to know Ed's top five <laughs> musicals. So we will wrap this up, guys. Because as I said, it's a very much a filler episode. We're sorry Mitch couldn't be with us. Mitch, we hope everything's all right on your side. Again, as I told you in the text messages or anything else, if you need anything, just get a hold of us immediately and we will help out. But for you, listener, thank you for joining us for this rant. I mean, I think it's a good rant. I think so. I think, I think we're kind of like... We're Apple TV. I mean, we are. Yeah, definitely. Apple TV, if you uh, want to purchase some, some sponsorship space. Exactly. Or, like, or that. that's the thing. Like, you know. <laughs> but honestly, like, I'm going to keep watching. I, I'm going to check out that C thing. Just see what it's like, you know? I love Jason it's, Momoa. It, it is the thing. I love maybe, Dave Bautista. So. Maybe concluding thoughts is, you know, the one reason we, we do keep coming back to this is, you, you know, if you are producing for film, if you are producing for TV, I mean, even more importantly, just see... The lineup, the structure, the things. they I don't think they got it right at the beginning. I think Apple definitely came out as a huge sleeper. But yeah. then they gave everybody a year's free TV if you bought anything Apple. And I think mm. that was all part of the Smart. plan. It's Smart. like we don't have to come out swinging because yeah. people are just going to naturally have yeah. a subscription to us. Yeah. And if they like stuff, they'll keep it. And if they don't, then, well, forget it. Like, it doesn't matter. And it does feel, excuse me, it does feel like they know they they use us. <laughs> yeah, know I mean? yeah, no, they, they're definitely now on the pulse of something. And so I would say is look at the release schedule. The very uh, unlike and, and I do find this refreshing as well. Apple TV is very easy to figure out what's coming out. They have an entire section that just tells you that. Yeah. It says they, they trailer everything before their current shows. So you can always catch it there. And if you can't, there's literally a section on Apple TV Plus that says this is what's coming out in the next three months. You know, if you want to catch these shows, this is the new ones. Like, it's just simpler. I, I just don't... I know Netflix probably does that, but I never see it. Well, and Disney, again, I never care. Too much, it's too much noise. Disney tend to, like, market the crap out of the shows they want you to watch. Yeah. I think Apple, it's all about the soft touch. You know, that's what it feels like. Like, just... Yeah, it's like, here's class. what's coming out. Pick what you like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas, I think you're right. With... with, with um. I think that's how they missed a trick a little bit with the stars stuff on mm-hmm. Disney because mm-hmm. like that new Steve Martin Martin short show is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's just it's and it's being promoted. It's a Hulu show out of America, mm-hmm. so obviously it's on a di- you know it's Disney's open network in America. Where it's probably getting different promotion, but in the UK, like no one knows about this show and it's really freaking good. Mm, I'm definitely gonna check it out. So, anyways, um, but yeah, uh, what are you excited for that's coming up? You mean Apple TV wise mm-hmm. or Foundation? I think hundred percent right. nail it because yeah. it's, that's going to come out, and then Dune's going to come out after that. And it's going to be like it's going to be like the fall of sci-fi. Oh god! It's either going to be the fall of sci-fi or the fall of sci-fi. Copyright LVP. <laughs> yes, do that so much because I'm just that time. Why are we being hired? Just hire us. Okay, it's <laughs> clipping. The, the the sound is clipping. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and we will catch you next week. Well, hopefully we'll bring Mitch back, but if we don't, we will have another interesting cardboard Thank you so much Where for friends are all you meet. And you will never see a frown. Hey, everyone. Hey there, people.